Would you stand with me this morning as we honor the reading of the wonderful word of the Lord. Today we're looking in the book of 2 Chronicles, not Corinthians, but Chronicles. Turn left, not right. 2 Chronicles chapter 21, verses 18 through 20. The book of 2 Chronicles chapter 21 and verses 18 through 20. The Bible says, after all this, the Lord struck Jehoram with a severe intestinal disease. The disease grew worse and worse, and at the end of two years, it caused his bowels to come out, and he died in agony. His people did not build a great funeral fire to honor him as they had done for his ancestors. Jehoram was 32 years old when he became king. And he reigned in Jerusalem eight years. No one was sorry when he died. They buried him in the city of David, but not in the royal cemetery. I want you to notice two phrases here. First of all, his people did not build a great funeral fire to honor him. And no one was sorry when he died. The title of my message this morning is No Tears at the Funeral. Father, I just pray today once again that your anointing will rest upon the message and upon the messenger, Lord, today. God, I pray that you will speak to us today through your word. Do the work that needs to be done in the heart and the life of the people here today. All in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, we ask, and all of God's people said, praise the Lord. You may be reseated this morning. Well, it just doesn't get much sadder than this. To live 40 years, but not one single tear is shed at your funeral. Such was the case with this man named Jehoram. How could this be? What had he done? What could possibly be the cause of this? I want to suggest three reasons this morning why there were no tears at the funeral. The first reason, I believe, was because of his alignment. Because of his alignment. Verse number 6 says that Jehoram followed the example of the kings of Israel and was as wicked as King Ahab. Notice this. For he had married one of Ahab's daughters. Jehoram's demise began with poor alignment. He aligned himself with the wrong people. I know I talk about this a lot, but I simply cannot overemphasize the importance of proper alignment. See, see, I've watched over the years as people began to change based mostly upon the people they chose to get close to. See, see, I can predict a person's future actions. Not because I am a prophet, but I can, pre- I can predict a, first, a person's future actions based upon who they began to align themselves with. Jehoram was raised by a godly father. His father, King Jehoshaphat, was perhaps 
perhaps the best king that Judah ever had. And no doubt as a child and and then no doubt as a young adult, no doubt that he started out well. He certainly had good teaching. But somewhere along the way, he got mixed up with the wrong crowd. He eventually aligned himself with the wrong people, and this poor alignment began his downhill slide. I want you to notice two things about alignment this morning. Two things about alignment. The first one is this poor alignment can pull you in the wrong direction. For example, if your car is properly aligned on a smooth road, you can take your hands off of a wheel and your car will continue in a straight line. On the other hand, if your car is out of alignment, when you take your hands off the wheel, your car will pull to one side or the other. In life, poor alignment can pull you in the wrong direction. I believe that your life will be steered in the direction of those that you choose to align yourself with. Let me just give a little hint this morning out to parents. And that is, if you want to know what your kids are are into, all you have to do is check out their friends. Because whatever their their friends are into is a good clue that that this is what your kids are into as well. And if they're not, this is an indication that this is the direction in which they are headed. Poor alignment can pull you in the wrong direction. I just simply cannot tell you how many times that I have become alarmed in the church in the past 44 years when I began to see so-and-so start hanging out with so-and-so. Because I have learned by experience that poor alignment can pull you in the wrong direction. I've also learned that poor alignment can cause future damage. Back to the car example. The time to get your car's front end aligned is the first time you notice your car pulling to one side. This is a clue to you that your front end is out of alignment. And if you ignore these signs, the poor alignment on your car will cause future damage. The least it will do is make your tires wear out faster. But if ignored long enough, it can eventually cause major damage to your car, which will be very, very costly to repair. Too bad that Jehoram's father didn't notice his son's poor alignment with King Ahab's daughter and her people and steer him away from them early on. In our story for today, Jehoram died. He was barely 40 years old when he died. And at his funeral, not one single tear was shed for him. Nobody was sad. No one felt a loss. And it all started because of his alignment. Another reason why no tears were shed was because of his actions. Verse number 6 says that he did what was evil in the Lord's sight. The wickedness of Jehoram was like the wickedness of King Ahab on steroids. Because the Bible says that his very first act as king was to kill his very own brothers as well as his father's closest advisors. 
Let me ask you this morning, how wicked do you have to be to execute your very own brothers who had done absolutely nothing to deserve it? The Bible says that he also led this godly nation into pagan worship and and evil and wicked religious practices. I want us to notice the outcome of his wicked actions. Let me suggest, first of all, that his wickedness caused division. And we find that in verses 8 through 10. It says, during Jehoram's reign, the Edomites revolted against Judah and crowned their own king. So Jehoram went out with his full army and all his chariots. The Edomites surrounded him and his chariot commanders. But he went out at night and attacked them under cover of darkness. And even so, Edom has been independent from Judah to this day. The town of Libna also revolted about that same time. What we need to understand is that Judah had been a united and godly nation under the leadership of Jehoram's father, King Jehoshaphat. But because of Jehoram's poor alignment, which led him to wicked actions, division was the result as people began to break away from him and begin to break away from his ungodly leadership. There were no tears at his funeral because he had torn apart a once godly and once united people. The question for us Today is what results are we seeing with our actions? Are we producing unity among our people or is our actions causing division? See, we need to understand that people are following us. And the question this morning is, are they following following us toward God or are they following us away from Him? Are they following us into unity or are they following, following us into division? Not only did King Jehoram's wicked actions cause division, but his wickedness caused divine judgment. And we find that in verses 12 through 15. The Bible says, then Elijah the prophet wrote Jehoram this letter. This is what the Lord, the God of your ancestor, David, says. You have not followed the good example of your father Jehoshaphat or your grandfather King Asa of Judah. Instead, you have been as evil as the kings of Israel. You have led the people of Jerusalem and Judah to worship idols just as King Ahab did in Israel. And you have even killed your own brothers, men who were better than you. So now the Lord is about to strike you, your people, your children, your wives, and all that is yours with a heavy blow. You yourself will suffer with a severe intestinal disease that will get worse each day until your bowels come out. The evil and wicked actions of King Jehoram brought God's divine judgment on him. But I want us to understand also and look here and see that it not only did it come upon him, but it also came upon his family and it also came upon his entire nation. And you may say to me, Pastor, it's not, it's not fair. It's not fair that others had to suffer because of his actions. 
My question to you today would be, who told you that life was fair? And I will admit that I too struggle with this trickle-down judgment. I do. I struggle with it. It bothers me. I don't understand it. I too struggle with this trickle-down judgment. But instead of playing the it's not fair card, why don't we instead learn from this just how important that our actions are? Instead of saying, well, God's not fair. Instead of playing the it's not fair card, why don't we just simply understand the fact? And the fact of the matter is that everything we say and everything we do and every direction that we take is affecting other people. Because our actions don't just affect us. Our actions have a trickle-down effect. I've already said it, everything we do, every action that we take affects those that we love and hold dear to us. When a husband or wife acts ugly to their mate, this affects their children as well. When a couple hurts one another in the process of a divorce or separation, guess who gets hurt the most? When someone says ugly things about church leadership, others are negatively affected. One of the reasons why some young people leave the church once they are out on their own and out of their parents' house is because they constantly heard their parents criticize their church and its leadership. Listen, you cannot expect your kids to love the church if they grew up in a a house that is constantly critical of their church. King Jehoram died at age 40. But not one single tear was shed at his funeral. Why? Why? Because of his actions. And his actions caused division and his actions caused divine judgment. Notice the third reason why there were no tears at his funeral. That is because of his abandonment. The last of verse 10 says, All this happened because Jehoram had abandoned the Lord. He had what? All of this happened because Jehoram had abandoned the Lord, the God of his ancestors. Notice two things about his abandonment. Number one, he departed From the legacy of his family. Verse number 12 says that then Elijah the prophet wrote Jehoram this letter. This is what the Lord, the God of your ancestor David says. You have not followed the good example of your father Jehoshaphat, nor your grandfather King Asa of Judah. Jehoram had no excuse for his actions. Because he had experienced a good example in the lives of both his father and his grandfather. And yet he chose to walk away from their way of living. He chose to totally abandon the legacy of his godly family. How about you today? How about you today? You have been taught the ways of the Lord. 
You have watched as your parents modeled Christianity before your very eyes. The question that the Lord would ask you today is, why are you choosing to abandon the godly ways that you have been taught? I ask you this morning, is it because of your alignment? Because remember, poor alignment can pull you in the wrong direction and poor alignment can cause future damage. But not only did Jehoram depart from the legacy of his family, he destroyed every reminder of his past. In verse number 4 it says that he killed every one of his brothers and those who had been close to the had been close and loyal to his father. Evidently, he didn't want anyone around that would remind him of how far from his father's legacy he would go. Sometimes when saints go back into sin, they destroy all their past relationships Because they don't want any reminders of just how far they have fallen. There were no tears at the funeral of Jehoram because he had abandoned his former life. And he had destroyed his family and destroyed his friends in the process. Sin isn't pretty. Sin blesses no life. Sin often steals the tears that should accompany every funeral. The question for us today is, will there be any tears at our funeral? Will anyone miss us when we are gone? I want to pause for a few moments this morning and be very, very practical with you. It's what I do best. I want to talk to you about how to guarantee you'll be missed when you're gone. And how many of you want to be missed when you're gone? You know, some people say, don't cry at my funeral. I want you to cry at mine. (laughs) I want weeping. I want wailing. Fall on the casket. (laughs) Hire people if you have to. I want somebody to be sad that I'm gone. Now, all my friends will already be dead because I'm going to outlive them all. So I'm going to have to depend on some of you younger ones. All right, let me talk to you about how to guarantee you'll be missed when you're gone. How to make sure there will be tears at your funeral. The first thing you'll have to do, number one, is be personable while you're here. If you want people to miss you when you're gone, if you want people to cry over you at your funeral, you need to be personable while you are here. Now, understand that not everyone is a people person. Not everybody is a sanguine, happy-go-lucky extrovert, life of the party. Not everyone is a people person, but everyone can be personable. Everybody can smile. I'm not 
sure about a few of you, but I think. (laughs) Everyone can smile. Everybody can be kind. Everyone can be friendly. Everyone can be nice. I've discovered there's two kinds of people in this world. The first kind of person is they, they walk into the room and announce, Here I am! Here I am! Me, 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 me. It always has to be about me. I'm always right. I have all the answers. I always have to have my way. Here I am. Amen. Let you interpret that any way you want to. The other kind of person enters a room and says, There you are. There you are. What do you want? No, you're asking them, what do you want? I'm not, you misinterpreted that, and I probably. <laughs> I put the emphasis on the wrong syllable, I think. There you are. Their focus is on others. My question to you this morning is what type of person will have the most tears shed at their funeral? Those that walk into a room and say, here I am, or those that walk into a room and say, there you are. Looking to my right, there ain't nothing there. (laughs) Be personable while you're here. Number two, be productive while you're here. Do something. Make your mark. Discover that one or two things that that, that you are really, really good at and then develop that until you far surpass most other people in that one particular area and then you become in demand in that area. You become that go-to person. Now here's a hint. People tend to, to take people's gifts for granted. They don't fully appreciate what you bring to the table until you are gone. Years ago I was pastoring in another church and there was a certain man in the church Paul is not the only one to ever have a thorn in the flesh. I've had them too. And this man in the church was my thorn in the flesh. He was always coming to me with criticism. He was always coming to me with complaints. He was a pain. After I left, the words that came out of his mouth were, 
Pastor Benson is the best pastor we have ever had. When Pastor Benson was here, this didn't go on that's going on right now. Someone said, you don't miss the water till the well runs dry. The question I have for you this morning is, do you bring anything to the table? Be productive. Make sure your gift is missed when you're gone. I'm going to tell you, I have not preached my best sermon yet. Because I always preach my best sermon, the last sermon I preach. Now, I know pastors that, you know, they resign and then they just coast out and they live off past and just kind of, you know, get up and do a little song and dance. Not me, man. I mean, I dig down. (laughs) I dig down, man. And when I, you know, and I, man, I pray and... And I, and I prepare, and man, man, when I get up and I preach that last sermon, man, it'll be the best sermon you'll ever, ever hear come out of my mouth. Why? I want to be missed when I'm gone. Talking about how to guarantee you'll be missed when you're gone. How to ensure there will be tears shed at your funeral. Three tips. Number one, be personable while you're here. Number two, be productive while you're here. And number three, be peaceful while you're here. Jesus said, blessed are the peacemakers. I can tell you that I appreciate the peacemakers a whole lot more than the peace takers. And we always have both, don't we? Peace. Takers, those whose, it seems, their mission in life is to take away everybody's peace. They seem to always be in the middle of controversy. Let me give you some good advice this morning. Don't be known for your drama. This might be my last sermon. I don't know. I better really preach good. (laughs) Don't be known for your drama. Well, how do I know if I'm drama? Well, let me just help you out a little bit. If Mike and Bill have a problem and Mike and Bob have a problem and Mike and Bart have a problem, who's most likely the problem? Hey, if you have drama at work and you have drama at home and you have drama at church, what's the common denominator here? (laughs) The flip side of this coin is the peacemakers. And don't you just love them? Oh, I love those people. Because they can find good in anybody. And they can put a positive spin on anything. They are so filled with grace and so filled with mercy. How they are such a breath of fresh air. They bring calm to your chaos. 
Oh, they allow us to vent without adding fuel to our fire or making us feel ashamed for our venting. They are able to listen without taking sides. Don't you love them? Don't you wish you knew somebody like that? (laughs) And after we are through venting, they gently and wisely steer us onto a more logical path of reasoning and offer us some alternative lines of thought on the matter. I loved what I saw on Facebook last week, at least one post. On Facebook, I saw this post last week, and it said, when someone does something wrong, don't forget all the things they did right. Isn't that good? Why is it that we're so quick to point out that one thing that they did wrong and overlook all of those things they did right? Here's what I've learned. People are more willing to accept your criticism if you balance it with your compliments. Don't be that person who is always being critical but never being complimentary. You know those people. They always come to you with their Complaints, but they have never come to you with compliments. There should be a balance between the positive and the negative. Amen? How many still with me this morning? Amen. Glad we don't have any songbooks anymore. Somebody would have probably thrown them at me by now. <laughs> if we could get some help on the platform this morning. question for us today is who do you think will be missed most when they're gone? Peacemakers or peace takers? The takeaway today is the question, will there be any tears at your funeral? Will there be any tears at your funeral? Will anyone be sad? Will anyone cry? Will you be missed? Will anyone miss you when you are gone? The answer to that question is how you're living your life. Because how you're living your life will determine the response of people when you're gone. Father, I thank you for these words today. Lord, you put them in my heart. Tried to throw some humor in this morning to kind of lighten it up a little bit, not make it so negative, but still your word, God. Still your word. God, I just pray today that your word will not return void, but it will accomplish that which you intend for it to accomplish. 